So welcome again. Thank you all for being here. I'm going to talk tonight about the topic that some is often um, thought of as a Zen teaching. And it's also, I think, Taoist. I saw that it was also Taoist. And that's the idea of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And I'm going to thank you for indulging me this afternoon um, as I offer this talk. Um, and came, the reason that this, this, this came up for me over the last couple of weeks is I think I've been in that place of, of recognizing that um, this, this, there were a lot of joys and a lot of sorrows, and, I, and not even joys and sorrows, but more like the roller coaster kind of experience. And that can be, you know, that can be the same, the same thing, you know, the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. And the experience of it, and then the watching others and their experience of it, and how they react to it, and how um, um, maybe people who have a practice react to ups and downs, and people who don't have a practice react to ups and downs. Like what the Buddha, what they called in the um, the suttas, the uninstructed worldlings, which is such a it just rolls off the tongue. The folks who have no practice around this. So. I was at, um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the Who concert. This is the first thing that triggered me in this, this realm. I, was, I went to the Who concert at the Bowl, and as we were walking up to our seats, all of a sudden I had this, this flash of this memory of a nephew of mine uh, who passed away earlier this year. He's only 50. And he had esophageal cancer, and he, he died. And But he loved the Who. He loved the Who since he was a little kid. I mean, he just, that was, they were it for him. And so as I was walking up to our seats, I had this flash about Brian. And all of a sudden, I was filled with this great sense of sadness. And I actually had tears come to my eyes, because he's only been gone for a couple of months. And I just was like, so there was a really visceral experience of sadness. And so that was a sorrow. That was a sorrow. And then we got to our seats, and the show went on, and it was extraordinary. I loved it. I had a great time. And so there was a lot of joy there. So what was the experience is the, the allowing of what's present to arise and pass, to come and to go, to come and to go, and not kind of hang on to what's, what you decide needs to be hung on to. And it's not that it's a conscious decision, but it's how our minds are trained to latch on and, and make, um, this, this, uh, make hierarchies of appropriate thoughts or thoughts that, you know, does, does sadness over someone's death outrank a good time at a concert? I don't know. Where do we fit that into our, our way of being in the world? That, that sometimes is a thing. It's like, well, I should you ever do that? I shouldn't be feeling this because X, Y, or Z, which is a denial of the reality of your experience. I shouldn't be feeling this. It's like, but you are feeling it. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't be feeling it, but how do you handle it? And so just to recognize that 
there are these joys, there are these sorrows, and they come and they go, and they come and they go. Um, I went back, I was back in New York for a week, I went home for a week, and um, I was gone from like a week ago Tuesday and got home Wednesday. And I'm from there, I was with family, my sister-in-law, my dead brother's wife. Um, it's an easy way to describe it, it's not creepy, it's just the truth. <laughs> my brother passed away 29 years ago. And his wife, and um, they had two daughters, one of whom lives in Switzerland and one of whom lives in Philadelphia. This is where you're indulging me. It's <laughs> like, why are you going into such detail, Mary? But this was like, maybe I'm still reeling with the drama of the family. And, um, and the, the family drama is that there is the nieces got into a thing and they weren't speaking to each other. The one niece came over from Switzerland and the other niece came up from Philly and they all went down to Cape May in South Jersey and spent a week in a house together, which I knew was a mistake, but anyway. And by the end of it, they were almost all coming to blows and then they were yelling at each other and, and one was calling the other one um, a sneak and a this and a that and the feelings were hurt and this and that. and. I wasn't there, so I don't know any of it, but I just know that this stuff, they had this, this, this thing that they just put on and carried around with them. And so when we got there, this had all happened before we got there, we had to spend part of, with the Swiss, the niece from Switzerland, and then she went back, and then the other niece came up from Philly, and then we could spend time with her. So we had to divvy up our lives because of this, and they're like 50 years old but they're still 17. And it's, it's just extraordinary about the drama when I believe that there may, be, may have been um, disagreements, but how people handle them, how people handle them when they're not, and maybe I'm just spoiled, you know, can you sit down and have a conversation where it's not this, fisticuffs kind of a thing between grown adults. That's just me. And then my poor sister-in-law, bless her heart, somewhere in this year she had a very difficult experience and the first two and a half days were her telling us about it nonstop. She could not let go. She could not let go. She can't. And all. And once she finally, I realized after about the after the, on the third day, she finally started petering out, and and maybe thought of other things to talk about. But it kept coming up throughout the week. It kept coming up, and it's like that was a sorrow, a great sorrow she had experienced, a great hurt, but she could not let it go, and she was miserable. They were all miserable. They were all miserable. And we just come in and go, hi. And they shove food in our face and we eat it. And we, <laughs> oh good, more eggplant parm, yay, okay. So, it, but it was just this extraordinary, for me, an extraordinary window into a place that I used to be. Not that I would, you know, get into arguments with people because I'm not, I'm a runawayer. I'm not an eh, 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 but that carrying of the baggage, 
the carrying of it. And, this, and I was witnessing the missing out of the present time because the living in the moment. You know, we would go somewhere, and my sister-in-law would say, oh, we, it was this relationship thing that didn't work out, and we were here together, and it's like, well, you're here with us now. Can you let go of that thing? Can you let go of that thing? It's really extraordinary. It's really extraordinary. And they talk about, um, you know, when it's unpleasant, when we have a sorrow, a, a, an unpleasant experience, like it's 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrows, or just a figure of speech, when it's unpleasant, when it's unpleasant, we tend to hang on to it. We tend to, to um, think it's going to be bad all the time. It's just, just this is the way it's going to be. And what happens is I, I saw this line that I really liked. It's, it talks about the residue of emotions that color the residue of emotions colors all the following moments, so we miss out. We're stuck up here, so we miss out down here. I can have that. I've had that experience where you're interacting with people, but your mind is 100,000 miles away, churning and regurgitating. You know, just hanging out, maybe it's not 10,000 sorrows, it's 450,000 sorrows, and maybe that was a nice piece of cannoli I had, but really the big picture is misery. Because we hold on to it. Just hold on to it. Because you think you're supposed to. It feeds something. There's some kind of a... I don't know what it feeds. I don't have any psychological training, but I know from my experience and from people I've spoken with, it's familiar and it feels comfortable, even if it's crap, even if it's awful. It's what we know. And so this practice says, time out. Is that actually happening right now? Is that actually happening right now? No. Can you let go of it? So I spent a week with a bunch of uninstructed worldlings. It was really, really challenging. It was really challenging. It's like I said, thank you for indulging me. Um, you know, we, when we hold on to it, we struggle all the time, even if it's not necessary to struggle. Even if it's not necessary. Even if there's no reason to. Because we create, you know, we create the scenario in your mind. And that's why the invitation is to go. And what are the joys you're missing out on? What are the 10,000? There's 10,000 joys. Have you numbered them? Have you found them? Where are they? They're here. They're here. And that's why I was thinking of that, the Who concert, when it was like down, sadness, and then joy, and then sadness, and then joy. You know, I also went to a baseball game, Yankee playoff game, which I was so happy to be there. I was so happy to be there, and it was the worst game I have been to in my life, or in a very long time. And then I was like, I paid what for this game? How much? But it was like, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not life and death. But I recognized I was able to let it go. I was able to let it go. Where some people get so enmeshed in that stuff. In fact, James Barris, who's a teacher up at Spirit Rock, talks, tells a story. 
He grew up in New York back back in the 70s. Um, he was a real Knicks fan, a basketball team, and he had season tickets back when they won um, the championship in the early 70s. And he went on a retreat with Joseph Goldstein somewhere in the mid-70s. And Joseph Goldstein talked about how you won't be so enmeshed in this stuff that it just, it won't be like, uh, you know, super glue. And he got afraid. And he says, am I not going to care anymore? He thought, you think you're not going to care anymore if you have this dispassion, because that's a word that's used very often in the translations of the suttas, dispassion, which can sometimes sound like a robotic type of experience. And he went to Joseph Goldstein and he said, uh, I'm scared that I'm not going to care. He said, no, you'll still care. You'll still have that emotion. You'll still have that involvement, but it won't last forever. It won't take you. The, the, the pendulum won't swing so far. You know, you'll be much more balanced. And that was the experience I had. It's like, oh, no, what used to drive me like insane, it's now like, oh, wow. That was a shitty experience, but it's over. What's now? Where am I right now? I'm on a subway at 1 o'clock in the morning, and there are 500 other people with me. New York rocks. You know, so, so there is joy in that. Be where you are and experience what you're experiencing. Don't miss out on the joys. Don't miss out on the sorrows. We were talking about this the other night, and it's like when you put up the walls against the sorrows, you put up the walls against the joys. It's, it's just what it is. Um, so what you have to do, um, and, and, and when you pay attention, you feel one move into the next. You can just see it, and, and that's why paying attention to the neutral is important, because we're so often attached to the, the uncomfortable, or the bad, or the whatever we want to call it, the unpleasant, the sorrowful one. And you want to let it be, you know, hold your hands open so that you can say, oh, you know, right now it's actually quite neutral. There's nothing going on. So that whatever comes next. When we were sitting and then all of a sudden there was the sirens, it sounded like ambulances, or I think there's a fire station down the block. It may have been fire, fire engines leaving. And I offered the instruction to notice any shifts, notice any stories that the mind creates. You receive an input and the mind can automatically come up with something. I don't know if everybody, everybody said, oh, it's probably fire engines. Or some, oh, is that police? Or I wonder what's happened. Did anybody go there? Kind of like go down the, no? I, I grew up in the Bronx, so that was, I didn't, I barely even You barely even heard, heard it. it. Yeah, see, everybody's different. Yeah, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. Yeah, some people, yeah, in here, you get attuned to it. Other people are like, wow, what does that mean? Oh, I hope nobody's So start to, you get to know your, you know, get to know your mind. Um, Ten thousand is a very large number, but I think it's just to let you know that it's 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 always there. Stuff, things are always happening, and you want to always pay attention, um, so you're not knocked overboard or you're not lost in a place you don't want to be. 
Um, you don't take a, 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 a wrong turn, so to speak. Oh, this was another thing. We were driving. I'm sorry. Thank you. I told you I, you're indulging me. We, we were driving back from something the other night. Why did you go on this trip? It's my home. Oh, okay. I just always, I go home once a year. Oh, and my sister, visiting, I, visiting my family, and my niece was oh, in I'm from Switzerland. My niece was in from Switzerland. Plus, I like to go back to New York yeah. every year. And so, yeah, that, but usually we are not there as much. We plan different things, but because we had to stretch out the family because they weren't talking to each other, I had to spend way more time than we normally would have because we know it's crazy making. But this time, and then it was raining a couple of days, so it's like eh, we're not going to go walking around. So anyway. So you had the different camps of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We had to visit them in different in, in sections. <laughs> so we were leaving someplace, and instead of making a left turn, my sister-in-law went straight and got onto the throughway, and she exploded. I mean, she had this, I wish I were dead. That, I, and that's a direct quote. And I'm like, it's really not that bad. And she goes, you don't understand the traffic. And I'm like, I bet you I do. Uh, it's really okay, but it was like this, 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 I mean, it's, it's for me, again, it's just this, I love her and I feel for her because it's this place of this inability to be with things when they don't go your way. This, this, your reaction when the event is different from what you want it to be. And it can be like, oh well, or right now it's like this, or I'm gonna blow my brains out because I have to drive a quarter of a mile in traffic. And then go out and make a U-turn and come home and lose like five minutes. But the 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 reaction, the reaction is was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. That is taking something that's unpleasant. That's one of those sorrows. You know, it's an unpleasant thing, and sorrow is a big word. It's a big word, like suffering is a big word, but I think if you just think of it as a discomfort, uh, something that doesn't go according to plan, and how do you react to things that don't go according to plan? And the, her reactions were extreme. All their reactions were extreme. And it was, it was quite amazing to experience. So... Um, when we talked about gratitude, I always, in the meditation, I always have this, this, this welling up of gratitude for this practice that has allowed me to have some kind of a balance. Because I've been in those places of, I'd rather kill myself than go to work because I hate my job so much. You know? And that makes sense in the moment. Because you're so out of whack. You're so out of balance. And you're so unable to be with the event that doesn't match up what you want it to be. Um, and I was thinking about this also, it's the big things actually much, we're oftentimes much more prepared for. Death and, and those types of things. We go, oh, this is a big deal. Pay attention. Watch how you react. Watch how you respond. Watch how you move through this. It's all the little things like making a wrong turn and getting into, you know, the wrong lane on the freeway or not getting your exit or 
leaving some leaving something somewhere in a store and going back and it's not there. You know, those types of things are the ones that can be really um, painful. Because that's when it's easy for you to start in on the story. What's your story? How did you're not supposed to do that? You should know better than this. You know the narrative of your um, how you treat yourself. What's that like? So, paying attention to the little ones. What are your little sorrows? Pay attention to them. What are they? Your little annoyances. I think annoyance is also a sorrow. It's, it's not just like massive. It's annoyance. 10,000 joys and 10,000 annoyances. That's almost worse. Paper cuts. Ah. Those are, that's pretty awful. I'm so stupid, why did I do that? And then you intensify the annoyance. Intensify the annoyance. So what you might want to try and do is say yes. What was that face? <laughs> well, Say yes to what's happening. I mean, if you know, not just say, yeah, whatever, walk all over me, I'll be a floor mat. That's not what I mean ever. But say yes, oh, this is what's happening. Okay, I made a wrong turn. All right. Let go of that, let go of that fighting. Say yes. I remember years ago trying to saying, okay, what if I say yes to everything that happens? What if I say, A, it was like, uh, uh, I had a tendency to shut myself down and say, you can't do that. Anybody ever do that? Oh, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, you know, blah, 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 all that crap. So say yes, and where I used to say no, but say yes to what is. Like when you, the old, old example of hitting your elbow on a dresser or a corner of a table and how painful that is, and the first thing we do is like constrict against it. And the instruction is to let go and say, oh, I hit myself. Be with the actual pain that's there rather than fighting it. It shifts your whole experience. It's not making the pain go away. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But there's a very different flavor to that pain. Very different flavor. So say yes. Don't say, no, why did I do that? Say yes. You know, that's when people, when people get into that place of no to what's actually happening, it's, it causes all kinds of stress, all kinds of um, discomfort. It causes it, it, so much suffering, so much sorrow. It intensifies it. That's your causing your own pile of crap instead of learning how to be with. So that's the stuff I mean to say yes to. Say yes to that. Watching my car roll down the hill on its own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then with the door being locked. <laughs> and the keys inside. It's like, I had, you have a choice. You get to that crossroads. We have a crossroads. <laughs> Indeed. 
where you say, well, I can react this way or I can react this way. I can beat myself up or I can laugh and tell it was a great story. I still have scars as I was trying to catch my car and it practically ran over me. It was, it was great. It was great after the moment, but it's like, okay. All right, let me remember to really make sure I check my break. Really make sure I don't park or whatever I have to do, whatever it is, and, and just say, okay, this is what happened right now. It's like this. Say yes. Be with the experience. What does that feel like? Oh, the annoyance of what it is. It's an, it, you, what you start doing is cultivating that embodied awareness, that embodied attention, paying attention to what it feels like. Like when I was remembering Brian at the show when we were walking to our seats, I had that real visceral experience of sadness and grief. Oh, I can feel that. And when the, when the music started and it was just exquisite, I had this incredibly visceral experience of joy. And they were like, it was a half an hour apart, 45 minutes apart. And, and in between, it was really quite neutral. But it was like, ah. Oh, yeah, feeling it, using your whole body to experience it. Don't disconnect. Don't disconnect. Be with the sorrow. Say yes to it. Say yes to the joy. Say yes to what's there. Embody it. Um, and recognize, I think, another part of this teaching is the teaching of impermanence. We hold on to stuff, but stuff has to pass. Stuff has to go away. It doesn't go away if we hold on to it. What is it? Emotions think? What are the, they have a, they have a, um, they last, what is it, 80 seconds, 90 seconds? They hang around is when we hold on to them. It was, um, I taught at Palm Springs a couple of weeks ago, and I went out a little early and had coffee with a couple of girlfriends of mine who live out there, one of whom has been out there for many, many years, one of whom just moved out there. She retired last year and she moved up to Paradise, you know, the town in Northern California. And three months later, her house burnt down when the whole town burnt down. She lost everything. But we were, and, and I, you know, I can't imagine what that would be like. I would imagine, you know, in my, my pea brain, like I'd be walking around with my, you know, my my head down for the rest of my life going, oh, woe is me, or whatever. I, I don't know. I probably wouldn't. Hopefully I wouldn't because I have a, have a more of a sense of equanimity. But she was, she got a place in Paradise, uh, got a place in Palm Springs. She's loving it. She's having a great time. She still has PTSD. She's seeing a therapist and stuff and to deal with that. But she's having a great time. And it's like things change. Things change. We have... We get into this idea of like, it's a bad day, it's a bad year, we paint it as a monochrome. Whereas there's all these ups and downs, there's a joy, there's a sorrow, there's a joy, there's a sorrow. Don't shut it out. Don't turn it off. Open up to everything. Don't, and it's like, don't just shut out the, the sorrows, but don't shut out the joy. When we're holding on to, do you know what kind of a year I have had? It's been a shit year. Everything's going wrong. Everything's gone wrong. Everything's gone wrong today, this week, this month, this year. It's been awful. Not a single good thing happened. Probably not true, but we focus on that. So this is the, the 
it's to not focus on that. Be with whatever is. She's really happy. She's really, I mean, like I said, there's, there's the, the, the trauma to deal with, but she's in the moment and saying, hey, this is cool. Grateful I had insurance. You know? And when she was looking at the house in, in Palm Springs, it's funny, she was telling the real, she wanted this house. And she told the realtor, she goes, play the paradise card. <laughs> okay. So I thought that was funny, you know, to have, even in the midst of this horrific loss, to have this sense of balance and equanimity and, and humor about it. So apparently it worked because she got the house. Um, so just to remember that the reality of impermanence, just because you feel like this right now doesn't mean you're always going to feel like that. You might shift in the next breath, which is why you want to stay in the breath, stay in the moment, stay right here. What's this right now? Keep going back to that Zen thing. What is this? What is this? What is this? Zen mind, beginner's mind. If you have a beginner's mind, you haven't pre-planned how you're going to feel and experience the world. Um, there's this other line I wrote down, talking about insecurity. We, we want to, um, what is it? Oh, a moment of insecurity is an invitation to take refuge in impermanence. A moment of insecurity is a refuge to take, is, a, is an invitation to take refuge in impermanence. That, that insecurity, that we, we strive or we crave security, but it's an illusion. There's no such thing. So just to recognize it's all going to change. It's all going to change. If you're feeling good, it's going to change. If you're feeling shitty, it's going to change. The, the security you have in this moment, it's going to change. The insecurity you have in this moment, it's going to change. It's all going to change. Take refuge in that, that, that awareness of this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Everything's going to pass. I remember a friend of mine years ago, I said, I'm having a good day. She said, this too shall pass. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, and, and imagine it's already let go. You've already, that, that teaching, there's a couple of teachings that apply to this idea. The one to Ajahn Chah, you know, you've heard it, many of you have heard this story many times about his teacup, that he was favoring a particular teacup and the other monks said, you like that, you think you're into craving. He goes, no, I find it very pleasant and it's already broken. I know it's going to last, it's going to break. Impermanence. And there's a teaching in the practice of a year to live where um, he says to spend a day or a half a day or go for a walk imagining that you're already dead. We do that in the year to live practice where we go for a walk and I can just imagine that you don't exist. And this is the world that's going on without you. It's really extraordinary. I think about that sometimes and it's a real shifting because we want to hold on and we want to arrange and you know, it's like one of the things in um, the nine contemplations of Atisha, which is a contemplation around death and dying, saying that you know when you die, your crap, your stuff, your valuable possessions may end up in the dump. Regardless of who you leave them to in your will, they might go, I want this. Just, you know, let go. We struggle, we struggle, we fight, we 
And you know what? Just where are you right now? How do you hold where you are right now? How do you move through this moment? How do you move through what's right here? And surrender to not knowing, not having the answer. Because we don't. We just make it up. I mean, obviously we plan and we do this and we do that, but we have to um, recognize that there's no there's no guarantee about anything. Doesn't that make you feel good? There's no guarantee. No money back guarantee at all. I had when I was in New York, I got a phone call from my other sister-in-law who lives up in San Jose, and she talked to me about my her ex-husband, my brother, and his wife. They live up in Portland, and how they're they're moving into that part of their lives where maybe they're having some problems and their health is deteriorating. And one of my nieces lives up there, and I talked to her yesterday, and I'm going to go up there in a couple of weeks and see what the situation is because maybe it's time for them to move. You know, everything changes, impermanence. Maybe they can't live on their own anymore. Maybe it's time to, to move on. I don't know. Everything comes, everything goes. Everything comes, everything goes. That brings up sadness. That brings up sadness. Wow. It's time to be that person. I don't want that job. I don't want to have to be that person. But there's nobody else. Oh, go be that person. Go do that stuff. Unpleasant. Okay. Feel that. What does that feel like? It feels really unpleasant. It feels sad. It feels there's fear. There's all kinds of stuff around that. But that's that's part of the that I would put in the sorrow category. You know. And Friday I'm flying to Nashville to go teach teach there next weekend. I put that in the joy category. I hope. I've never been there. It might be in the sorrow category. I don't know. Ask me in two weeks. <laughs> and I'm going to go to Atlanta and teach there and hang out with a really good friend of mine. So it's, you know, it's, there's this, this world that has, we say yes to everything. And I'm just talking, this whole talk has been personal, very personal. Then there's the wide world that we get to deal with as well. And how do we hold the joys and the sorrows that exist there as well? Because they're, they're, they're everywhere. So, any questions, comments, rebuttals, thoughts? 